Good morning, welcome. This would be about the time Luke would give a uh, update. And uh, since we're not playing, I thought I'd give an update about the other team up north. Who day? Big day for the state of Ohio. And uh, hopefully uh, the outcome over the last uh, three games at least will be a little bit different today uh, for us. But I want you to be thinking about, uh, as we start this morning, about situations where you struggled to learn something or accomplish something and maybe found yourself sort of in that desperate place where you're thinking to yourself, I'm just going to quit, give up, or maybe give in. Maybe it's learning a new skill. Maybe it's uh, developing a new habit. And right about when you're ready to give in or give up, somebody gives you some little sort of tip, and it changes absolutely everything. I remember when I moved here, I had been uh, in the Microsoft world for a very, very, very long time, and I move here, and I'm suddenly in the Apple world. And I'm suddenly not using the uh, word processor program I was accustomed to. I'm using pages, and it was a nightmare for me. Besides the fact that it's new, I'm old, and uh, those kinds of things don't come very easy. And I was so frustrated and kind of decided, I'm just going to give up and use this other one and then figure out some way to move it back in. And my son-in-law talked to me about these things called Apple shortcuts, and it changed my whole world. I can remember Bonnie as a young mother, three preschool kids trying desperately to keep the house in order and clean and getting more and more desperate and uh, having that desperate conversation with a lady in our church who talked to her about this card system she could do, and it changed everything for her. I remember Bonnie and I, as young parents, our oldest uh, was a whiner, and it just drove me out of my mind. And it was sort of in that space. If your parents here, you understand what I'm talking about. If you're not, you're going to learn that your kids get in this space where it's not serious enough to actually, like, discipline them, but it's serious enough and irritating enough that you have to do something and you don't know what to do. And we were sort of in that space trying uh, not to be, you know, just yelling all the time. And somebody talked to us about this thing called the quiet rug, and it changed everything for us. It's one of the things that I always loved about coaching. You know, that a player would be really discouraged about something, and I could walk up to him and just say, okay, here's what I want you to do. Walk up to the defensive player and just put your foot right here. All you have to do is just put your foot right there, and everything changes. And I always, uh, I've never gotten over that feeling when during a game they'll do something that they didn't think they could do, and they just turn to you and look, and it's like that, yes, it's changed my life. I've been thinking about this because I suspect that for many of you, 
probably arrive here today feeling that way about temptation. That maybe you come here and there's something in your life that you're wanting to stop, you're wanting to not do, and yet you find yourself keep failing, or maybe you're weary of this constant battle and find yourself continually discouraged, or maybe you're already discouraged and you're sort of at that point and ready to, if not already, have just given up and saying, I, I just can't do that. Truth is that I've found myself in that position many times in my life. One of my temptation areas has been anger. One of my most significant places of failure was packing the car before vacation. I don't know if any of you have lived in that world. I struggled. Here's part of my struggle. I never could understand the confusion around the word everything. Everything seems to me to be a very non-subjective term. It seems to be a very objective term. And I would gather the family and I'd say, listen, I'm going to pack the car. It's okay. I want everything that goes in the car top or everything that goes in the back sitting right here so that I can pack it. And I would say, is this everything? Yes, we're sure it's everything, yes. And just when I'm about ready to close the car top, just when I'm about ready to close the back, and I'm a guy, I love puzzles, everything's exactly in its place, I'm feeling this great sense of overwhelming pride and accomplishment, and I hear, Dad, Mom wanted me to bring this out to you. And now everything's got to come out because there's no, like, slot to put this in. I thought over the years that uh, the dilemma I must have put my children in where they um, are standing and mom says, hey, can you take this out to dad? And she's talking about it like it's no big deal, just take us out to dad. And I began to realize that they're sitting there saying, okay, I have two choices. I can say to mom, no, I'm not doing that and suffer the consequences from mom, or I have to take it outside and place it down there and give it to dad, and then that's gonna create for me a whole nother set of uh, experiences. But the truth is that those stories about giving into temptation are funny, but in my particular life, if you talk to my wife or my kids, they could tell you some stories that aren't so funny. And it wasn't just about a suitcase or a car that we can someday laugh about later. And there was a moment in my life where one of those not-so-funny failures happened, and, and I knew something in that moment had to change. I became painfully aware of the man I could become, and I knew whatever it took, I cannot be that man. And I didn't care who knew, I didn't care what price I had to pay, all I knew was this has to change. That this is not the person that I want to be. And so 
What I began to do is I began a journey of trying to read my Bible and see, every, see if I could figure out everything that you read in the Bible that has anything to do with temptation. And my story is also a story of having read and spent a lot of time over the years reading more and more, and it seemed like I would read the Bible and I would have one of those moments where I would discover something about temptation that would change everything for me. And it felt like that would take me a step, and then I would learn something new, and that would take me a step. And what began to happen to me is I began to realize that there's so much that the Bible says to me that can help me in this battle and overcoming temptation. And today, I want to share with you just one of those truths. One of those truths that is probably the most significant one in my life and the one that I probably uh, use constantly all the time. Now, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you've been here for a while, you know that we've spent time in the uh, Lord's Prayer. And uh, Luke has been calling it the mass, Jesus Master Class on Prayer. It's Jesus giving us an example of prayer. He's not giving us the words we say when we pray, but helping us understand the types of items that should populate our prayers. We've looked so far at the who of our prayers that Jesus wants us when we pray to remember who we're praying to. We've talked about the what's of our prayer. And again, this is not Jesus screaming and yelling at us because we're not doing this right but him being gentle and loving to try to help us understand how we pray. And so far, we've learned that we pray for our daily needs with an understanding of all that God has already given to us. We pray for our desires with an understanding of how much we want God's will to be done above our own. We pray for our forgiveness with an understanding of how much Jesus has paid for us to be forgiven. And today we arrive at verse 13. Verse 13. And here's, uh, and in this section, what's going to happen is the Lord's going to talk to us about temptation, and he's going to say something to us that I hope, like it did for me, this will be one of those moments for you that would, wherever you are in your relationship to temptation, this will be one of those moments that, that will sort of be that aha moment where you walk away from here with a renewed hope that things can be different for me in this area. So let me read this passage. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. Here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's the first request. The first request we see there is, lead us not into temptation. 
This request communicates our understanding that we often make choices in our life that have the potential to bring temptation into our lives or make choices that increase our level of temptation. It communicates that it's possible for us to make decisions that face temptations that I could have avoided if I just would have made a different decision. It communicates an understanding of our weakness, sometimes our naivety, and if we're honest, sometimes our own stupidity in the decisions that we make related to temptation. And again, this is not Jesus pointing a finger at us and saying, you're not doing the right thing. How could you be so dumb? Or how could you be so naive to make a decision like that? What he's doing is, he's with gentleness and love, reminding us that since we make choices, that we need to ask God to help us make the kinds of decisions that are gonna be helpful to us. He invites us to pray that God will help us think through things and make better decisions. Here is why I think this is one of those moments that could change everything. In my experience, when I talk to people over the years about temptations and, and their struggles, I find that most people that I come across have dealt with temptation in their life and they've basically drawn two conclusions. And this probably is true for most of you in this room. If I were to ask you, what in your life have you learned about temptations, you would say the two primary things is how hard it is to overcome temptation. And secondly, what you've learned is that it's likely you've probably concluded that I'm never, ever going to be successful at this, so I just got to figure out some way to live within the midst of it. And be grateful, at least, which is true, that there's always forgiveness but what I want to help you understand today is what you've really learned is how hard it is when all you ever do in resisting temptation is access the willpower that God has given to you. I mean, God in his grace has given to us something that is significant in saying no to temptations. And all of us, to some degree, do sometimes say no to things just because of the willpower we have to say, I'm not going to do that. And some of us are wired in such a way that we have a very strong sense of willpower. Some of us, not as much. But what Jesus is saying here is that we need to understand that we enter every day knowing there's a battle. We're no, we know we're going to be in spiritual danger. And here's what one writer said. He said, but we must also never forget that we have a heavenly father who would love to give us all the protection we need, all the air cover we need to guide us and to guard us and to protect us if we would pray. Think about how that changes. Think about what would happen if you or I beginning of every day or consistently throughout the day, just simply stopped to pray and say, God, would you please give me wisdom, give me a capacity to make choices that are going to be helpful to me in my battle against sin. Even if there's something happening that I'm not, I'm not thinking about, just maybe even a sense or an intuition that this is not a good thing for me. 
This has become one of the most important strategies, quite honestly, in my own life. And to this day, I pray those things. In fact, I would encourage us to even go a step further and consider what would happen if you prayed that, but also what would happen if you asked the people in your world to pray that very thing for you. I do this all the time. If I'm traveling someplace, I'll go to a group of people and say, I need you to pray. I used to say to my family, I learned that I would make certain commitments to my family when I was gone, and one of the things I learned is to, to be more objective. For instance, I didn't want to say, you know, I promise I'll be smart with the television in my room when I'm alone. That's sort of a hard thing where you're, where you're not. And I just worked to try to create what I would say would be more objective to say, I will not turn the TV on while I'm in the room. That's an easy question for somebody to come up and say, did you turn the TV on? I would ask people to pray. Pray that I guard my eyes. Pray that I'm careful where I go. Pray that I make the right kinds of decisions. Especially when I know that I have to make a decision in maybe an area of insecurity or maybe an area in fear or an area where I know that there's all kinds of factors that may lead me to make a, a different decision than I need to. What's amazing is that what God says to us is that I don't just listen to the prayers that you offer for yourself. I listen to the prayers that other people pray for you. And think what would happen if on a regular basis we just said, Father, today, lead me not into temptation. And the second request is, but deliver us from evil. This request communicates our understanding that despite our best efforts, there are likely going to be choices that we make that lead us to places where we do face temptation. Or maybe we find ourselves or knowingly that we're going to be in a place that temptation is going to increase. And this request is about understanding that there are temptations I can't avoid or ones I'm facing in a moment in time because I've not made a good choice, but it's beyond, and it's beyond, I think, potentially beyond my willpower to say no. What he says is when you find yourselves in those situations, also pray. And say, God, would you right now give me a capacity to make the right decision and resist temptation? It's about realizing that I need God's help to resist my temptation. And again, this isn't Jesus yelling at us about our lack of willpower. It's Jesus with gentleness and love reminding us that he stands ready to give us the power to overcome the temptations we're facing. This is about just Jesus saying, just humble yourselves and be willing and be honest that I need help in this situation. And again, think about what I said earlier. Some of you that arrived here thinking, this is hard and I'm likely never going to get beyond it. If you could recognize that, yes, this is hard, and yes, you may not have within yourself a capacity to do this. And Jesus is saying to us, just ask me to help you. Ask me to give you the power. And think about what would happen if we, again, not only prayed this for ourselves, but asked other people to pray for us. 
This is an also an illustration of an aspect of temptation that I think is really important that I discovered in my reading, and that is there's a difference between struggling with something and surrendering to something. This first occurred to me years ago when I was in a group of people where we would come in each week and talk about how the week went, and guys would say something like, hey, we'd say, how'd you do with such, such this week? And they would say, I really struggled with that. And finally, I'm like, okay, what, what do we mean when we say struggle with? If I say I struggled with anger this week, what does that mean? That I screamed and hollered, stepped out and, and, and started to say things and do things in my home I shouldn't have done? And what I began to realize, at least in the world I was living in, that we used the word struggle as a kind way to really say that what really had happened is we surrendered to the temptation. And what Jesus is talking here and really illustrating this is, yes, there's a prayer, and we talked about this last week, yes, when I surrender to the temptation, there is grace. And I can go to God and say, I surrendered to my anger. I surrendered to my insecurities. I gave in. And that's why Jesus talked to us last week as we looked at this is, forgive us as we have forgiven. There is forgiveness. But what Jesus is saying here is that that's an important verse. But how about in the midst of the struggle, we began to engage in prayer and ask others to pray for us so that it's a struggle, but we don't surrender to it. And what he's saying to us is, I don't have to surrender. This is something that's been very important in my life. You might be surprised how many times and how many groups of people I send texts in a week to. There was a time in my life where I would text a group of men, hey, tomorrow I'm packing the car for vacation. And you think, you might think I'm kidding, I'm as serious as I can be. The morning of vacation, we're heading home, out goes the text. Tomorrow morning, beg God, plead with God on my behalf. I text guys and say, I'm heading into a meeting. I'm heading into a conversation. I know there's going to be some triggers for me. Please pray. I'm feeling this week increased temptations in some areas. Please pray. I'm going to spend some time in, in an arena or a place that's going to trigger some temptations for me. Would you please pray? And imagine the grace and mercy of God who just says to us, listen, I understand temptation. And what I'm asking you to do is just pray and ask God and say, God, today, Father, would you lead me not into temptation? And if and when I find myself, for whatever reason, in the midst of that temptation, in the throes of that temptation, would you give me a capacity to resist it? I was telling the last couple of weeks a story. I, from my high school years, I hadn't thought about it in a while, but when I was in high school, came to the end of my senior year, and I got called to the principal's office to make a delivery 
to a location for some students. And to make a long story short, I got to this location, walked into it, and realized that something was happening in that location that uh, should not have been happening. And the goal of the people who had called the uh, principal was to get me to uh, make a decision so that they could uh, destroy my testimony and all kinds of things. And I remember standing there. First thing I was trying to do is I was trying to figure out and maybe quote some verses that maybe would help me know that this was the wrong thing to do. And I, and I was just stuck in this. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, I felt this overwhelming sense to run. Just run. And I did. And I don't know if somebody was praying for me. All I know is that I believe at that moment in time, God in his mercy just said, I'm going to intervene here and I'm going to move. Now think about not only the one who talks to us about this, but think about what happened in Jesus' earthly ministry that uniquely qualifies him to not only uh, tell us that we ought to do this, but also provide for us. There's a book in the New Testament in your Bible called Hebrews, and in chapter 2 we read these words, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. In that same book, in chapter 4, we read these words, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin." Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So today, let these two requests be a moment in your journey with temptation to sort of be the aha moment and say, I can do that. I can do that. And commit to begin your day, maybe, and throughout your day, multiple times a day, just pray, Father, lead me not into temptation. And when I face it, Father, would you and your grace deliver me from evil? And today, be willing to be humble enough to go to some other people and just say, would you just pray this for me? Would you commit to God to pray this for me? I even have guys, we do this, and sometimes it's just send an emoji praying hands. And when I get an emoji praying hands from that person, I know exactly what that means, and I go right to prayer. And I simply pray, Father, lead them not into temptation, and right now, deliver them from evil. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your continued demonstration of love and grace in our lives. 
Thank you, Jesus, for this amazing description that we can look at and we can read and we can understand how it is we ought to pray. And Father, you know throughout this week, I have prayed and my heart has been moved and stirred with people in this room that walk into this room discouraged. Maybe some of them even hopeless in the temptations that they face and the failures that they find themselves continue to make. And might they hear the words of Jesus. Might this be that aha moment. Might this be that one thing that they say, I can do that. And might we be a people who begin to pray, begin to ask people around us to continue to pray. Father, lead us not into temptation today and deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name, amen.